Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Senior Living Today. I'm excited to welcome Tony Berardi, president of Springfield Masonic Community, and Jason French, president of Western Reserve and Browning Masonic Community, back with us here again this week. Thank you both for joining me. Glad to be here. So last week, we discussed the different types of communities available in senior living and what makes them different from each other. And today, we're going to talk about the different types of contracts you might be presented with when you're looking for a community to move to. So let's start out with a rental contract. What does this mean for the individual considering to move? What is a rental contract? All right, I'll take this one. Um, well, a rental contract, it sounds just like what it is. It's something where you come in and you don't own anything. You just kind of rent the space and you get the services that are provided by the facility. Um, so if you're looking into independent living and you're renting either a villa or a condo or an apartment, depending on what they have to offer, it means that they own the, the facility, they take care of the facility, and you are part of the campus from a lifestyle standpoint and from an amenity standpoint, whether they have a, a clubhouse or a gym or anything like that. And then there's usually some sort of exit clause on there as well. Um, some have a duration of time, whether it be like an annual agreement or a 12-month agreement, and then some are month to month. And the positives of these types of agreements are they're, they're super flexible for the community member. Um, it gives you uh, access to the community and all those services without having to have any, any significant amount of investment up front and just gives you complete flexibility inside of that um, from a financial commitment. Uh, it, it's, it's really a, a very easy to understand agreement that, uh, that uh, is pretty simple, to be honest. This is probably the most familiar contract because it's kind of like renting an apartment, you know, when you're in your 20s going to college. So people are more familiar with that concept. So another common type of contract in the senior living community industry is entrance fee models. So what is an entrance fee model and how does it work? Yeah, so an entrance fee model um, is a community or space that requires a large sum of money up front. Uh, those can range in dollar amounts and also the amount of refundability. So, you know, you could be talking about an entrance fee that might be, you know, twenty to thirty thousand dollars. You could be an entrance fee of a hundred thousand dollars. I've seen communities that have entrance fees that are three hundred thousand dollars, and all with differing levels of refundability along the way. Um, you know, there's positives and negatives for that. Obviously, when you turn in an entrance fee, while that money you're entitled to, you know, when you when you move off of the campus or transition into another area, um, that's money is no longer there, yours as an asset sitting underneath you, and it's been transferred to that, you know, new entity. There's obviously a concern about its refundability. So if you are a 95% refundability and, and or a 50% or a declining balance, so the longer you stay at a community, the less the refundability is um, on that. Um, so there's positives and negatives. It's, it's different for everybody. Um, the positives for it is that typically there's a, a decrease in your monthly service fee or rent based off of the entrance fee. So you typically have a little bit lower monthly cost than what you would have in maybe a rental fee model, but you still have the large upfront cost from an entrance fee to, that, that's part of that as well. Yeah, and I think this is probably one of the more complicated ones for people to understand because there is a lot of math behind it and there's a lot of you know looking at 
you know, like Jason talked about the refundability, I've seen them everywhere from 100% refundable, 0% refundable, 10% off the top, 2% declining a month. So understanding how that concept works and then realizing what your expectation is for you know, your rent. If you're moving in and you're you know, younger and you anticipate being in that section of living for a longer amount of time, you wanna make sure you keep in mind how much money of that you're not gonna get back. And don't just look at that rent, because he's right, your rent will usually be less, but that's because there's another portion of income that the facility is getting from taking it from your entrance fee. So you wanna make sure you look at those and you really kind of think through how those uh, those programs are set up. Because sometimes they're really structured more towards um, somebody who's going to stay in that independent living section longer than someone who's going to be in it shorter. So there are also communities that utilize what's known as a fee-for-service type contract. Um, what types of services does this cover and does the resident get to choose which services they pay for? How is this model set up? So fee-for-service, um, you know, kind of is just that. So you have your base your base rent, let's call it, um, whether you're in independent living or assisted living. Fee-for-service is probably a little more hand-in-hand uh, -hand in assisted living than in independent living, but it could be done in, in independent living. So you, know, you have your base, your monthly rent or service fee that's there, and then your fee-for-service is the more that you have done for you or the more services you get the more cost is associated with it. So you might not have a dining plan included in your dining process, in your dining program, in your independent living, but every time you go to the dining room, you incur a charge. Um, housekeeping might only cover, you know, once a month, but you want to have it four times a month. So your housekeeping becomes an additional charge that happens during the month. In the assisted living world, the fee for service is typically um, increasing as you use that service. Um, so if you, you know, the more medical supplies you use, the more hands-on assistance that happens, the more times a team member is interacting with you, you know, there's a charge that can incur for that. So it really makes a big change in from what you might think your monthly cost structure would be when you're in the fee-for-service model. It's not it's not a bad model if you're paying attention to what you're doing and understand what those costs are for that. Um, you can you can be pretty thrifty in that, especially if you're a minimalist and need, you know, less less support or less less items from that community. But the charges at the end of the month will come on your your next statement is typically how that works. So, um, you know, it, it's not a, it's I don't want to call it a risk, but you don't always know what you're you don't have fixed costs when you're in a fee for service model. And in some of the, there are some advantages in a fee for service. Sometimes if you're a fairly healthy person um, and you get, and you look at facilities that have different levels of care, different tiers of care, um, sometimes people feel like they're paying for services they're not using. And that's where the fee for service model kind of fits those people. Cause then if they have like a short-term illness and they need more assistance, they can usually gain that. And then they're only paying for that during a, a short period of time. So there is some advantages to it, but a lot of it um, really comes down to where that fee for service is. When I've seen it in an IL world, it's usually in a 
a like smaller community. Um, and maybe the, the services are things like housekeeping, you know, like Jason said, or I've even seen some facilities will partner with a home health company and offer special rates to their, uh, their people. And then they supply those and you, you get billed as you use them. So it's kind of been a variance of how you uh, different facilities or different uh, entities will utilize the agreement. Uh, but understanding that when you call and you need something, you know, it's kind of like room service. It's, it's usually more expensive when it's an a la carte fee than it is something that's built in. So with the fee-for-service type contract, it would be important to talk with the community to understand what is included, what is an additional charge so that you know that up front. Yes. Um, so another type of contract that we see in the senior living space are equity contracts. I understand that this kind of entails purchasing an apartment or a villa up front. Is that correct? Can you talk a little bit about what an equity contract entails? Yeah, so an equity contract is exactly what you said. So it's somebody that you're actually buying into the the community or to the facility, depending on what you're looking at. Um, so a lot of the ownership of how you handle that asset falls on the um, on you as the consumer, where when you're doing more like a rental model in that, there's an easy out. You know, I can, if, if I'm having a change of mind or a change in health, I give a notice and I can get out of my agreement where in this, you own the property. There's actually, a, if I'm not mistaken, in most cases, a, an exchange of deed. Um, you actually own something and then you have to worry about selling it. I, I do know that most places that use this, when I've seen them in an IO world, have a system that kind of helps feed that. You know, they do inquiries and you don't have to involve realtors all the time and, and so on and so forth. Um, but you do have some ownership in it. And usually with that comes what we'll consider an uh, HOA fee, so a homeowners association fee, because there are amenities usually within that space. So if it's a if it's a 55 and older villa community, they may have a clubhouse or a pool. So you pay a, a monthly fee for cutting the grass, um, for having access to the gym, having access to the pool and, and those kinds of things. But at the end of it, if you need more services and you can't stay in your unit, then it's up to you to uh, dispose of that unit, just like you would selling a home, uh, your, your original home. And and the benefits for, from the equity is that you truly are, you know, the owner of that piece of property or, or location or condo. So, you know, if you're doing renovations and you want to add a bathroom to the house or you want to, you know, do something for, uh, internally, you know, redo the kitchen, you know, those are things as the, you know, the owner of that space you're able to do in, in, in other spaces, you wouldn't necessarily have the freedom to just, you know, make alterations to your space, you know, on your own and customize where in, in the equity situation, you, you would have more, way more freedom to obviously do that. And, and Jason brings up a good point because in some of the other agreements, facilities and communities will allow you to make those alterations, but at the end of the day, you walk away from them and they're the ones who benefit. And the equity, it's just like doing home improvements on your home. You can actually maybe get more for the unit when you sell it and maybe make some of your money back. So it's kind of similar as to if you were going to purchase a condo in a community, for example. Very similar. So now that we've gone through all the different types of contracts, can you guys talk about what type of contract is offered at the Ohio Masonic communities and what potential residents can expect? Sure. Um, so we offer rental agreements at all levels of care. So starting in our independent living with our villas and our apartments, everything's a rental agreement. Um, there's a 30-day discharge notice that 
that you have to supply to get out of it. So we're very upfront coming in on what the charges are and we lay out what our expectations of service delivery are depending on the level of care. Um, when you look at our assisted livings, we have a tiered assisted living rate. So we have different levels of care that we provide at different interims of payment. So the more care you need, obviously the more expensive uh, it is, but it's all based off of how much services you're receiving from the facility staff. I go back to what I said earlier about the rental fees is that, you know, it's a pretty standard uh, agreement that most folks would be used to in terms of renting an apartment and, and hadn't been around that experience. It's pretty straightforward and plain dealing. So you understand, you know, what you're getting yourself into, what those commitments are, and then even the flexibility then of, you know, while the initial agreement might be listed as annual, a 30-day out with a written notice um, is something that's extremely flexible in our in our space that I think, uh, I don't think we do enough, a good enough job talking about how different that is um, than a lot of other senior living contracts in our areas. So as we close out today, what information should potential community members bring with them when they are looking for a new home or what types of questions should they be asking when it comes to uh, looking at the contract type offered at that community? Yeah, I think number one is you've got to ask yourself, what is it that I want in my senior living experience? What are those expectations? You know, think about the amenities that you want to have in your in your lifestyle. Do you want everything under one roof? Do you want to be in a community where you're in more of a senior living apartment and then you are still residing inside a city in a township? Do you want to be part of a community? Um, you know, what are those things that personally are driving you into this decision-making process? And then as you're starting to look at those spaces around you, how do those all fit with what you want your lifestyle to be? You know, while there's plenty of options out there in senior living, we're all different in how those are offered. And then even in the contracts, deciding for yourself what makes the best sense, you know, and certainly uh, when looking at entrance free contracts, you know, understanding, you know, what those benefits, both pros and what those cons can be from that. Maybe that fits really well with your lifestyle and your financial agreement and where you can live within your monthly income and not have to worry about watching an asset get, you know, taken down with a monthly service fee. So there's all sorts of options out there. I would think about, you know, how is this going to impact me? How do I want to live and where do I want to live? And what is that experience going to be while starting to make those, you know, initial inquiries? Jason's exactly right. Start with how you want to live. And then try to you know go through all the different communities and options that are out there. And when you find a place that you you want to be at, then start going through the questions of the contract. You know, some of the other things you need to keep in mind is um, your health and you know chronic issues and things like that. Making sure that not only can I take care of myself now, but how am I going to be taken care of in the future? And looking at those, and not only understanding what the contract and obligations are for the level of care I'm entering into, but what are they gonna look like as I move on through the future? So if you're looking to move into a continuum of care retirement community and the contract and everything suits you for the independent living sector, what's it gonna look like once I need to progress through that, uh, you know, through that campus? So understanding it from front to back, 
and understanding your preferences and what you want out of it uh, is vitally important. Uh, too many people come to us with having no answers and, and having no research done, which is fine because that's what our people are. They're the professionals who know how to navigate those questions and help you find those questions and lead you to uh, the questions you didn't even know you should be asking. And just understanding what your wants are are important, but also being realistic about what your needs are. And you got to check both sides of that box when you're looking for uh, somewhere to live the, the rest of your life. Well, thank you both again for joining me today and breaking down the different types of contracts available. Uh, as a reminder, for our last podcast episode of season two, we'll be answering your questions. So if there is a topic that interests you or questions that you want us to answer, uh, please email us at omhmarketing at omcoh.org uh, by November 15th. Uh, thank you all again for tuning in today. As always, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss a new episode. And we will be back again in two weeks. Thank mm-hmm. you.